0: Started on open doors, and I'm going to attempt to conclude it this morning. Amen. And um, I going to whisk through the slides just to quickly summarize what we've done and then to um, focus in on a few priorities. The Lord told us prophetically that He's going to open up doors for us in very, very significant ways. And there will be portals, there will be access, there will be entrance into new dimensions in every uh, tier of life. You're going you're gonna to experience this spiritually, it will be secularly, it will be commercially, it will be relationally, it will be in terms of the impact, your sphere of influence, it's going to grow, and God is literally going to afford you an entrance into a realm from which you were previously barred. All right? And so the realms at, from this point onwards, those realms from which Previously, you were precluded. The Lord is including you now. The Lord is saying, I'm going to open up a sphere of influence to you, and you're going to venture in there, and you're going to re- represent me and do my works on a, on a scale that's going to make what you did prior seem so far less than what he affords you in this particular season. So everyone say open doors. You know, open doors are meant to be walked through, right? You, you, when a door opens to you, you must take it. You must go through it. Amen? And I want to encourage you, do not, especially in this season, by virtue of what the Lord's been stressing to us, um, do not wink at the opportunity that God brings. Be very highly discerning. God's going to afford to you and bring within your purview an opportunity that is God-ordained. And I don't... Uh, I'm, I'm feeling this, ca- not not a caution, I'm feeling this to say to the house. Because God has stressed this to us, the Lord says, do not be over-cautious about pursuing the thing that He has ordained for you. Right? And I think sometimes we are far too cautious in terms of making a mistake, yet it's a God-ordained thing that He brings in terms of opportunity for you. Amen? And so... Um, um, trust the Lord, and it almost seems risky, but the element of risk is reduced by the fact of your knowledge of it is God. Amen? And so the world calls a chance. I, I was talking to somebody um, via Facebook the other day, and we were talking backwards and forwards, and so, so I said, uh, I jokingly said to him, and we were we were joking with each other, we are all friends, and so I, I jokingly said, oh, I'm still doing grand, getting old, and waiting for the gold. I was just throwing some terms to you. He said, "Oh, oh, by the way, or oh, good luck with that." That's how. That's what we say here. Good luck with that. So I respond, "No, I don't believe in luck. Because <laughs> everything in my life is ordained of the Lord. I believe in destiny. So the element of luck is a worldly concept. You know, you you take many hits, and perchance you would get something. Now we don't live in that realm. We live." That, uh, by By the rule of God that our lives are governed by our Father the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the of the Lord amen and I really want to encourage you i 've experienced uh, since we started releasing this word three weeks ago experienced some open doors ministerially um, and um, these are significant doors remember what Paul said a wide and effectual door wide and effectual door has been opened to me in the Lord. But there are many adversaries. Right? And so I want to encourage you, expect opportunity. Everyone say opportunity. So we're breaking the impasse. We're breaking the cul-de-sac. Right? Some of you have come to a cul-de-sac. But the Lord said, that dimension of your life is about to change. That dimension of your life is about to change. You've come. Some of you have come. To, you know, you travel on the roads, especially when there's road works. You have these stop-goes, right? Some of you have been in a stop-go in the spirit for a while. <laughs> the Lord is saying, "Your path, the road that is taking a while to prepare for you, is ready now, and there's permission, there's permittance in the spirit, right? Divine permission given to you to go now. Amen. Can you see the sign in your in your in your mind's eye, in your imagination? I like to use my imagination because God gave it to me. Okay? So just see the guy taking the stop sign away. And this is a picture I'm having in the spirit. And see the green board saying, go. Free passage. Everyone do this. Free passage. Right? Go. No holes barred. Nothing will prevent you. Nothing will, will hinder you because the path, the way, has been prepared. If you had gone on this path prematurely, there would certainly have been destruction. But now the Lord has prepared a path that you can easily traverse on. now, You can easily go upon it. Amen? So open doors is our portion. Let's quickly whisk through this. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to go through much because we've been through this painstakingly. Next one. We spoke about a door of hope and um, uh, Fiona alluded to this verse. Everyone say hope. So the Valley of Acre, which means pain, trouble, is is... is is translated into a door of, of hope. Liam? We spoke about a supernatural door of provision. Right? Psalm 78 speaks about God opening doors in the heavens right? and pouring forth His, His wonderful, abundant provision. And I really want to trust, I want, I want to encourage you to trust God for an elevated um, measure of provision. The quality of the provision you've known up to this point um, is 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 obsolete in the spirit, as it were. God is saying, I'm going to increase. And it's the, the, the rate and the quality of your provision. It's going to be heavenly. It's going to be rained down from the heavens. Okay? So expect a door. Listen, listen to me carefully. This is not our usual methodology of preaching. Usually we're highly doctrinal. This word is hard is largely a prophetic word. Everyone say prophetic word. I want, I want to encourage you. God's going to open up a door for you that's going to bring to you a measure of provision um, that's going to vastly elevate the quality of your life. Vastly elevate and make a huge difference in the options that you contemplate. Options contemplated are usually contingent upon budgetary constraints. Not so. You look at the budget and you decide what to do. So your range of options is dependent upon your financial power. God is saying, I am going to. It's not so much about the financial power that God's going to increase. God is saying, I'm going to increase your power of choice. Because right now your power of choice is limited by virtue of your resources being limited. But here's the caution. And I felt this last night um, as I was contemplating. Do you know when when you have little, it's easy to trust God? not too much discernment is required because anything that comes your way you will grab because you do have a little not so but do you know the requirement for maturity elevates to him who has much if you have much you have to really hear the word of the lord in terms of how to spend it when your resources are limited you have you have you, you yes you do use discernment but your, your choices are so limited by virtue of the little that you have. I guarantee you, if the Lord gives every one of us right now 5 million rand, guess what? You will have to employ huger, more sharper, more acute discernment as to what to do with the money now that you are blessed. I am saying don't wait to mature. Don't wait, rather, to get the money and saying, Lord, let me quickly upgrade so I can steward this. Rather, the methodology of the, of the Lord is, He will give into the hands of those who are mature, significant resources to steward. Amen? So upgrade your level of discernment. Because a door is going to open that's going to require you to be highly uh, uh, sober and, 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 and sober thinking in terms of how you dispense the resources of the kingdom. Amen. Many of you don't believe me. <laughs> it's going to happen. Right? Tell your neighbor I'm a steward. Right? Remember, you are not. We're not owners. The concept of ownership is unkingdom. It's not not kingdom. In the kingdom, we are stewards of God's resources. We're not the owner of private assets. Assets might even be in our names: my house, my car, my land, etc. That's just for legality, for legal purposes. But in the spirit, really, we are saying, all that I have God is at your disposal, so if and when you choose for me to dispense it, I must know when, how, how much, I must do it wisely okay and I really want to encourage you to to, to upgrade your level of discernment, okay because yet he commands the clouds above and he opened the doors of the heavens and had rained down manna on them to eat, and had given them the bread of. Of heaven, so everyone say rained provision, yes. rained provision. You I don't think this downpour in Durban recently is is coincidental. It's very prophetic. Like I've been sharing with you via email, it's prophetic. Number one of the word of the Lord. For my doctrine will drop like rain. Deuteronomy thirty-two verse one. My doctrine. Everyone say doctrine. When you see the rain like this, think God is releasing word. Doctrine-like rain. As the rain, Isaiah 55, as the rain falls down in the snow from heaven, waters the earth, gives it new growth, does not return, so shall my word. Right? So shall my word. Right? So everyone say, rain is the word. Rain is a picture, consistent picture throughout the scriptures of the word of the Lord dropping down. And do you know, listen carefully, where will this great provision come to? It's going to come to a word-centered believer. It's going to come to a word-centered individual. Everyone do this, right? It's going to come to a word-centered individual. God is reigning where His word is. Right? Zechariah 12 says, ask for, rain in the, Zechariah 10, ask for rain in the time of rain. Don't ask for this in the time of that And don't ask for that in the time of this. Get the picture? What does the Bible say? Ask for what? Ask for rain. When? In the time of rain. So if you know it's the season for God to... And let me just say this. If you discern, it's a season in which God is unleashing a certain dynamic. Ask for that dynamic. All it means, take your prayer. Everyone say ask. Just ask. So take your prayer and simply align your prayer... With what heaven is releasing, if heaven is releasing rain, don't ask for snow. Ask for rain in the time of rain. And all I'm saying, it's a season for downpour. <laughs> this that is happening here is a natural, first the natural, then the then the spiritual. I'm experiencing it. I hope you, as you study God's word, revelation is growing. Understanding is being enlightened. Right? I want to encourage you in this season, don't neg- neglect your Bible. Don't neglect the study and the reading of God's Word. It's pouring, people. It is pouring. It is pouring truth. It is pouring doctrine. And position yourself and let your mind be activated. Right? And receive this rain. Right? You see, the manna only fell where the cloud was. Not so. There's a cloud bursting. And wherever the cloud bursts, rain, word... God says, my manner." In other words, if you were not under the cloud, you would not receive the vision. The manna only fell where the cloud was. And what do clouds hold? Water, right? You know what Job said? I posted it on the group, I think, two or three days ago. Job 29. Job says this. I was like rain to people. <laughs> do you know I'm your rain man? My new name is Rain-dolf. <laughs> Not <Rud> Randolph. Not Rudd Randolph. Who was teasing me? Kevin Francis was teasing me on Facebook the other day. I'm renaming you. Your name is Randolph. Right? We all need a rain man. A rain man is someone that can bring the word to you. Right? And I'm telling you, it's pouring. There's deluge. And if you, if you align yourself with the principles that we are releasing in the word, wherever the rain is falling and where the truth is incarnated by an obedient lifestyle, I guarantee you, you will get your manna every day. Manna every day. Amen? You know, there's such a season for obedience today. It's such an imperative. I want to encourage you, obey the word of the Lord meticulously. Obey it uh, to its minute detail. Live a circumspect life before God and see how the Lord is going to bless you. Sam Salim said something. He said many things. I uh, just edited all of his sessions and a whole lot of just short statements that have spoken to my heart uh, deeply. One, one statement he said is this He said, he was talking about rule. Everyone say rule. So, rule and authority. He said, one's rule is directly dependent upon the degree to which a man's spirit can dominate and, and regulate his soul. So if your spirit can dictate to your soul, right? Because your soul left to itself will not obey God. You've got to command yourself from the vantage point of your spirit. And then he said this, if that is the case, if you can, by your spirit, master your soul, he, in, in his typical Samism uh, way of, 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 of saying things, he says, there is no bars barred hold. To the, 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 the spheres of rule that God will give into your hands. Nothing will be impossible to you. Amen. Literally nothing will be impossible to you. And I want to encourage you. God's going to open doors of supernatural provision. Amen? Amen? Tell your neighbor know, it's raining. By the forecast, I think, uh, month, well, today is a bit sunny. Forecast for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's, I checked it's rain, eh? This whole week, I think. Maybe Thursday or Friday will start to clear right? And um, it's just, I think, a wonderful prophetic sign. Amen? So ask for rain in the time of rain. Let's go quickly. I love the statement, a wide, everyone say wide and effective door. Paul said a wide and effective door, or a wide door for effective service. King James says a wide and effective door. The New American Standard says a wide door for effective service has been opened to me, and there are many what? There are many adversaries, and I spoke to this verse last week. I don't want to go through it, but uh, this is happening. It's happening of seeing the fruit of this word work itself out in our lives, and I want to encourage you for the same in your workplace, in your career, in your job. Uh, for Paul, it was for ministry. It's a wide and effective door. Everyone say mega, you know the Greek word mega, right? And um, he said it's a wide door, mega, for effective, energos in the Greek. Literally, I'm going to be highly, I'm going to be filled with energetic exploits by this opportunity that God's going to open up to me. Now more than ever before, grace is going to be a quintessential demand. Everyone say grace. Grace is opposite to work. You will do more in your flesh filled with grace than if you try to do it by your own strength. Some people ask us, how do we do what we do? You're so busy. You're doing multiple things all at the same time, yet you're not getting sick. Um, you're, not, you're not tired. If I measure your activity by by human standards and by what you're doing, you should be a wreck, even physically. My simple response is, it's because I'm full of grace. Paul said, I am what I am? By the grace. Then what he said, I do what? I? I work. Everyone say, I work. But says yet not I, but the grace of? God, that's... With me, you either work by the sweat of your own perspiration or you work by the grace of God. What is lacking today in the body of Christ? The reason why many people got many excuses for many things. We are functioning as humans and not as spiritual men. A spiritual man is full of grace. Tell your neighbor what you need is more grace. I'm telling you, if you access grace, and grace comes through the word, there's no other way. The word of his grace, right? Uh, grace is poured forth on your lips, uh, and I want to encourage you. Um, I've now decided I'm going to pursue an increase of the grace of God in my life, because if I can I, if, if if I can be, if I can operate in increased grace, I will get increased results. That will not be by my human sweat and effort. It will purely be by the empowerment of of the grace of God in my life. Amen? And, I love the verse, Acts 6, 8. And Stephen. I love any verse starting with and. And God is able to make all grace abound. I just love all the and verses. Tell your neighbor, learn a few and verses. (laughs) It says, uh, I think it's Acts 6, 8. It says, and Stephen, full of grace. How is that a description for a man? To be one that is known, full of grace. Our Lord, James or John 1.14, we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. And of His fullness, what do we receive? Grace upon grace. grace. Amen. Tell your neighbor, be full of grace. Right? You know, Paul said this, with every wide and effective door, what are you certainly going to have? He said, a wide door for effective so- service has been opened to me, and there are what? Many enemies. Let me just say this, every opportunity God opens for you, expect there to be enemies raised up against you. But the presence of the enemy is not reason to not proceed. The presence of the enemy validates that the door opened was certainly God. So walk through and do not be intimidated by satanic attempts using people, because you know in the Greek, this word, anti-chemai, yes, to oppose, to be contrary, to be placed, it means to lie. So people will deliberately lie against you to discredit you, to make you feel ineligible, inept, to go through the opportunity that God has placed before you. But the devil is a liar. Not so? He's the father of of lies. Okay, And I want to encourage you to not submit to the lie of the enemy concerning you. Amen? And I want to encourage you, walk through the open door, Enemies and all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Adversities and all. Right? Don't believe the lie about you. Go through the open door. Remember the ten spies? What did they say? Here's an open door. Canaan. Go up, go in and possess the land. What, the, what did the ten spies say? They said that they are what in the land? They are giants. They are there they, they, they are threats. Uh, militating against our accessing of all that God has given us. And what 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 was their confession? They said, We are grasshoppers in our own sight. Therefore, we are grasshoppers in their sight. Their view of themselves became in their mind the enemy's view of them. Your identity is very important. How you think of yourself? Tell your neighbor you're well able. To go up, to go in, and possess the land. Right? So when the enemy, you see the giant, yes, threatening your attempts to conquest, to access all that God has, has given you. Don't be like the ten spies who say, we see the problem, we are like grasshoppers in our own estimation. The perspective we have, our, have of ourselves has diminished in the light of the significance of the problem. Never allow that. You know what David said? Goliath is so big. This problem is so huge, I can't miss. (laughs) He did not perceive the threat, the hugeness of the threat, as a reason like all Israel did, let's keep away from this open door. But you know what the Bible says of David? He ran to the battle. Come here. (laughs) sling. Tell you, never run to the battle. Who is the, his words were, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares challenge the armies of the Lord? And notice Goliath's attempts to deride him. Who are you? What's your CV? Where you come from? Little boy? Right? No armor? What are your credentials? You know, the enemy will always try to undermine your legitimate right to go into a new door. Do not allow that to happen. And I speak prophetically to you. Do not think less of yourself than what God has made you to be. Amen. You are the son of God, and God has given you an inheritance. Access it with all of your heart. Embrace it with all of your heart. I'm embracing a new uh, sphere. I listened to Mike uh, Weitenberg's prophecy that he gave me this morning. It was the last time he was down. It wasn't yet. It was Dr. siggy Governor's meeting. It was a Thursday morning, we were all in, in the meeting. This was recently, this year sometime. Earlier this year, when he was down. And he said this to me. The toe hole that has been up to now is actually the foothold for the, for the next level. right? And I want to encourage you. There is a next level. Hallelujah. Embrace it with all of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your neighbor life, is going to get better. Come on, prophesy if you don't feel like it. I'm telling you, life will get better. Life will get better. for uh, Many of us are feeling like cramped and almost constraining circumstances. But I'm telling you, I declare the word of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm your rain man. I'm declaring rain upon your Adama, your ground. And I'm, I'm declaring to you that you will grow, uh, you will bear forth fruit in much abundance. It will happen. I declare that to you. I configure your mind. By, by the things I'm declaring to you, it will happen. It's not an if, it's not maybe, it's going to happen. Amen? Expect it. Hallelujah. It's gone. We spoke about a door of faith. And yes, many people, in, in reference to Acts 14, the door of faith was an opportunity for many that don't know the Lord to come into the kingdom. Amen? And I want to encourage you... Um, Raise again your evangelistic concern. Raise again your concern for the lost, those that don't know the Lord. I declare over this congregation in your life, God's going to open up a door of faith for many Gentiles to come in. Amen? When last did you share the gospel with somebody? When last did you actively minister to someone? Yeah, Jesus is the door, but he's made you a portal as well. Some people um, that are within your sphere of associations We'll never know unless you speak up. And I want to encourage you, reignite your passion for the lost. Sam said something that really hit home to my heart. He said, the evangelist, the grace of the evangelist, he can see redemptive power even in the most remote soul that men have written off. An evangelist can see God can reach a man in realms where men have disqualified that man from entering the kingdom. And we need the grace of the evangelist. Tell you that way, we need the grace of the evangelist. And I pray that you would become a witness wherever you are. I want to encourage you. Start. You know, we, 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 we sometimes don't do this so much that when we do try to witness, it's so foreign to us because we've not done it for such a long time. Amen. I want to encourage you. Wait and take. Be, be courageous. Keegan at school. You young guys at school. You know, uh, here's a testimony for the young guys at school. I was in Standard 8, which is what, grade? 10. And I recall we had went to that building there in Major Calvert Street, an uh, old converted factory building. In any case, it was our year in party, and we, our class was having like a party. There was music playing. Our teacher was there. A lot of eats, and there were, the class were dancing, etc. My good friend, his name was Christian, Christian Bantam. We were saved together, and we grew up in the law together. So we'd always hung out. We were in the same cl- class. So, uh, you know, we were so separate from the world in those days. <laughs> we said, no, no, this, this is not for us, this context. So uh, what we did is we said, we don't want to be, leave the class and make the class feel like, you know, because they really respected us. So let's just stay inside. Stay in, in, in the class and with the, with the music going on, etc. Let's just sit and watch everything. So we sat, and I'll never forget a girl, Valerie Winegard, came, and she she sat with us, and I started sharing the gospel. A classmate, I started sharing the gospel with her. I had my King James Bible that was underlined with red and uh, blue ink, some verses from John, and I was showing her all the verses in John: John 8, John 10, John 3. From from John 3:16, I took it to the whole book of John. Oh you know, my underlines, see here. <laughs> you know? And um, she gives her heart to the Lord and starts to bawl her eyes out. All in the middle of this disco now, happening. And her eyes fell on my Bible and smudged the ink. The tears. <laughs> well, it was literally the eyes, I think. <laughs> it was a powerful cry. <laughs> so the tears fell and the, um, the, the... And I keep the Bible for a long time. I eventually, I don't know what happened to it, but whenever... I would look at that John, John's Gospel. Read this all my underlining is all gone, and I remember Valerie gave her heart to the Lord, and she's still serving the Lord up today. Amen. We converse on Facebook every now and then. She's still serving the Lord up today, and I want to encourage you. Sometimes you, you don't feel awkward. Sometimes you know you feel embarrassed. How am I going to start? You know, just start. Just say, "Do you know the Lord?" You know, just start to witness. You'll be amazed of how God will honor your desire. All right, and some people's. Some people are just waiting for a door to open. And you can open a door for the kingdom for men to come in. Amen? Hallelujah. You know a Pharisee position? Jesus chided the Pharisees for this. Jesus said to them, you shut up the kingdom to men. And you yourselves don't even go in. I want to encourage you, don't bar access of men into the kingdom of God. You should be the greatest door into the kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. So tell your neighbor, do the work of an evangelist. Paul said that to Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Let's go on. A door to preach, Paul said, uh, was opened for me. Where? Where was it open? In the Lord. It wasn't out the Lord. It was in the Lord. In other words, the Lord sovereignly did this. I want to encourage you, for those of you that are called to minister, don't try to get open doors yourself. Don't try to push Don't try to to meet significant people and by that hope that people are going to open doors for you. Allow the Lord to sovereignly do it. Doors will be opened to you by God's sovereign orchestration. In fact, doors that you're not even seeking will come to you. The door must be opened to you where? In the Lord. Because sometimes we open our own doors and it's not the door designed by the Lord and we, we reap a whole lot of problems. Amen? Attendant with it. And so Paul said, the door was opened to me in the Lord. In Colossians 4, he talks about a, 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 look at verse 3, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the Word. Everyone say, a door for the Word. A door for the Word, he says, that we might speak forth the mystery of Christ as we ought to speak it. Amen? I want to encourage you, be a door opener. Open the door for the word wherever you are, yeah. amen. Uh, I was pleased that Sean was is now speaking there where Teron's working at Unilever, visit. And that's going to happen with greater regularity. I want to encourage you. Let, yeah, let me. I just feel this to say this prophetically. If those of you in your sphere, trust the Lord for an open door. Just take take the prerogative and seek. By God's leading to open a door for the word of the Lord to be ministered in your context could be at work start a lunch hour meeting take the courage and just do something and let a door be opened by the leading of the Lord in your world amen let's go on Um, Paul says when this door was opened for him in the Lord in verse 13 what did he say but I had no rest why not finding who Not finding Titus, my brother. Some doors are not meant for you to walk through alone. Some doors you have to take others with you. Right? You know, some people's doors will never, ever open unless you take them to the door open for you. So this is not a season to be selfish. Amen? Tell your neighbor, take me with. When God opens the door for you, take me with. Right? And this is the only thing that should cause unrest in the spirit of a man when he cannot find his brother. Locate his brother relationally. Take him through the open door that God has called for him. Then I spoke about prison doors. Okay, I need to go fast because I haven't really got to what we need to talk about. Acts 16, the Bible says, you know the story of Paul and Silas in, in jail, right? It says in the, the part in blue, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were were loosed. But to open the door, God literally broke the foundations of the whole prison. This is not simply an open door. This is breaking the structure that the door is in. God is, you know, in some respects, God is not just going to open up the door. He's going to break the mentality, the construct in your mind that imprisons you. Hmm? You see, if you open the door, the prison still remains. But yet God breaks the whole prison down. Indicating that structure, that mentality, that thought pattern that keeps you captive, I will. I want to remove and obliterate that. Come completely, amen. Tell them no more in prison days. No more. No more prison days. No more prison days. Okay, next. Satan. Let's go on because of this uh, time. I won't have time. I want to get to where we need to go. And, and after this, um, everyone say, Knock. What do you do? What did Jesus say? Knock, and the door will be open. There are some doors that will only be open to you in the Lord, that is. Right? You see, the guy on the, on the right here, he's trying to force a door that God has closed. You must only walk to the door that God has opened right? Don't force something that God has not ordained for you. You know what the Bible says? we read it shortly in in Revelation 3. I am the Lord. I shut a door and no man can open. Then he says, I open doors that no man can, can shut. So don't attempt to open a door that God has sovereignly closed. You're going to expend unnecessary time and energy in pursuing a matter not ordained by the Lord for you. But I really believe in some respects, there are sometimes... Gonna have to knock. Because the scripture does say knock and the door will be open. open. If you perceive that there's a closed door, but internally you know that this is God's door for me. It might not be open yet. And sometimes God demands. Let me see how diligent you are. You see that it says ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open ask, seek, knock um, the, in, the, 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 the measure of intensity progresses with each one ask, seek, knock ask, seek, knock knock indicates say hey, I'm serious open the door have you ever had one of these late at night <laughs> Hey, you know that neighbor <laughs> there's always knocking on your door okay you know, we grew up in with all of our lives, and we were very neighborly. <laughs> Not so? So if you needed some oil, a bit of margarine, some people come with all the ingredients for, for the supper. So my mother sent me for this, that, 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 that. Do you have? And we used to give each other, okay? And I want to encourage you. <laughs> I remember those days. Hallelujah. God has, ons kom van ver af. Come a long way in the in the kingdom, amen. But uh I want to encourage you, knock. Everyone say knock. Knock. Some of us, let me just say this knock is a prayer posture. And some of us just need just need to knock a bit more. Just need that much more diligence, that much more seriousness. You just need to be far more focused than you are. You just need to knock a bit more diligently, and some God ordained doors are gonna open up to you. Amen. Okay, let's leave this out because i already covered that. Let's leave this out as well. I want to read this. Listen carefully to Revelation 3 from verses 7 to 13. And the, to the angel at the church at Philadelphia. Everyone say Philadelphia. What does Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. So this church is known for its wonderful relationships. There's brotherliness. There's brotherly love in this church. Not so? so it's very important that you understand this because all the blessings attendant with this church is because of the basis of brotherly loving relationships okay so to the church at philadelphia write this he who is holy he who is true and he who has the key of david how many churches are there in the book of revelation that letters are written to seven right So, Laodicea, Smyrna, Sardis, etc. But to each church, Jesus is described in a particular way. He does not come to the same to every church. He comes in a particular disposition. At the start of each letter, He is described in particular characteristics because the thing that He intends to do in that church is vested in the nature in which He comes. So as He comes, if you analyze how He comes, you can discern what he desires to do. Not so, right? Remember to Ephesus, I think he will hold the seven stars in his hands, right? Um, and who walks among the candlesticks. He comes in a particular way to a particular church. But to brotherly love, how does he come? He comes, yes I'm holy, I'm true, but I'm coming to you, brotherly love community, I'm coming to you with keys. And what do keys do? Keys open doors. I'm coming with the key of David, to those that excel in brotherly love. Right? Coming to you. And he says this, uh, He will opens and no one will shut, and he who shuts and no one will open, says this, I know your deeds. Now, behold. Everyone say, look! You know, the word behold is, well, old King James English. Uh, right? Say, you know, behold. But you behold, if you really analyze in the Greek, it's a sharp call, for introspective focus on a thing. It's not a casual glance. It's not a cursory overview. You stop and you take a sharp, intense look. Now I'll tell your neighbor, behold. behold. No? No. Open your eyes, behold. behold. <laughs> Why does the Lord, He could have just said, listen, the word behold could have not been in the verse. He could have just started, I know your deeds, I have said before you. Why must the Lord bring the whole church and say, you need to see this. In other words, if you cannot see it, you cannot enter it. right? If you can see a thing, it's yours in the Spirit. The moment you see a thing in the Spirit, it is yours. What did God say to Abraham? Arise, look, Genesis 13, look north, south, east, west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. Ever. Now arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I have given it to you. But he first says this, arise and see. Look at all the land. What God is saying to him, if you can see it, you can possess it. Things in the spirit are not possessed until they are seen. Sight is prerequisite to possession. Right? perspective comes before possession. You've got to envision it before you hold it. You've got to embrace it in the mind before you hold it in the hand. If you don't internalize it, you will not experience it in- externally. And I want to encourage you, hold it, that's why the Bible says, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, but think you must. Right? So, don't um, shall of your dreams. Everyone say, okay, look to your neighbor and say, behold. Right? Now ask him this, can you see your open door? Can you see it? Right? Right. Can you see your open door? It's a Davidic door. It's a key of David that is alluded to here. Right? And notice what he says, I know your deeds, behold, I've put before you an open door which no man can shut. Why? You have little power, but what have you done? but you've kept my word. You've kept my word and you have not denied my name. All right? Let's go on quickly. You kept my word and you have not denied my name. Everyone say Davidic traits. Right? You know, it's not the key of Peter. It's not the key of Paul. It's not the key of Moses. David specifically is referenced here. So these are aspects unique to David. Right? I'm just going to quickly run through a few. Firstly, David excelled in sancho. Right? He excelled in sancho. Remember when he, he who was his father by the way? Jesse. What does Jesse's name mean? I possess. Jesse also means one who stands out. Right? So whenever David called his father Jesse, he was saying in his mind, Dad, you are one that possesses stuff. Dad, you are one that stands out among the Among the group, not so. Now, when David killed Goliath, what did Saul ask? His men to ask. David. Saul sent David. Saul sent his men to inquire of David. Not what is your name. He said, "Go and inquire of the land as to who his father was." Saul is not interested in David. Saul wants to know where does all this power come from. Who is the source of this? Who is your daddy? Right? Ask your neighbor, who's your daddy? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> In other words, your grace and anointing flows from your connectedness to a spiritual source. Hmm? Connectedness to a, a spiritual source. Right? So David knew, and when David, you must read the account. This is how David answered. What is your name? He says, I am the son of Jesse. Right? It doesn't say I'm David, all the glory is mine. No, I am the son. All this the defeat of Goliath, all my grace, all my configuration, all my anointing flows from the one who stands out, flows from the one who possesses all things. I have possessed Goliath because my father is the possessor of all things. I'm standing out here among all the warriors in Israel because my father is one that stands out. Hmm? I, I am being used by God because I'm connected to a Father. Everyone say, "Sanju," And I want to encourage you like uh, Newman encouraged us. If I am fathering you in the Lord, I will ask you again, follow my teachings. Listen, read my manuals. Read the, the stuff that I give you. Follow it closely. You'll be amazed at how the grace of God will, will increase in your life. Right? This is the kingdom protocol. This is the way of the kingdom. Amen. Secondly, just quickly, I'm going to rush through these because of time. Everyone say obedience. Obedience. Remember Jesse said to him, uh, go take the food to your brothers who are fighting on the battle. They're fighting Goliath. How did David land up at the battlefield? He simply obeyed an instruction of his father. Was David going to fight Goliath? No. What was his agenda? I am purely going to feed and look after the welfare of my brothers in response to a fatherly command. I have no intentions of killing a giant this day. But when you do what is allotted to you in simple obedience, God takes that quality of heart and he can amplify it with grace to defeat a a, a threat imposing a national uh, crisis upon a whole community of people. David Elevated that day from looking after sheep to on a path towards kingship simply because he was a he was a he was he was not a, everyone say no ambition. Please in this season have no ambition. We have too many ambitious people in the kingdom wanting to get ahead. David wasn't ambitious, he was simply obedient to an almost seemingly insignificant command. And you know what? I want to say this to you. If you've proved yourself faithful with the little, then certainly God will give you rulership over much. It's the way the kingdom works. But don't seek rulership over much when you haven't proved yourself faithful. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. They count in Luke that I'm referencing. I know Matthew says faithful in little, faithful in much. But Luke says faithful in little, you'll become a ruler over much. Hmm? You want to rule much? Prove yourself faithful with the for with the little Sam said this at the school. He said, if you are the thing that you will do with a little is the thing that you will do with much. God checks the posture of the heart. Okay? And I want to encourage you, be faithful with the small little things. That is why, if my father in the Lord says to me, Randolph, I want you to take charge of the worship at the apostolic schools. Guess what? That's a huge priority for me. Drop everything. Will be there very early before every session planning the songs being there etc why a father sent me with a little instruction but sometimes little instructions qualify you for rulership over vast spheres amen tell you never rule do you remember uh, what did david say to saul when saul tried to put his arm on david to fight goliath and he, he was very uncomfortable with the armor Right? So Saul asked him, oh, by the way, what's your credentials? You want to fight this uncircumcised Philistine? What do you have in your bag? <laughs> David said, well, a bear came. I was looking after daddy's sheep. David. so like, so uh, almost naive. He's so like innocent. He says, well, one day I was looking after daddy's sheep and a bear came. And your servant with his bare hands killed the bear. Bare hands killed the bear, right? Some of you didn't get it. It'll come later. <laughs> <laughs> then and he said, another day, a lion came and wanted to eat my father's sheep. And with my lion hands, I killed the lion. <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing. <kind> of <laughs> okay. And Saul says, hey, but you know, this is another domain. We're talking bears and lions. This is another. This, this guy is like, he's a giant. right? But David's faithfulness in killing bears and lions qualified him to approach Goliath, right? It wasn't so much by comparison to Goliath that the bear and the lion was small. It was David's position over caring for sheep that God honored. The father gave him an instruction or David says, come hell or high water, my father's interest in the welfare of the sheep is my priority. I will face any threat, put my life on the line personally to ensure that daddy's wishes come to, are, are, are secured. Not so? And when God says, a man can care for sheep that way, that's the kind of heart I want in the king to rule over all my people Israel, right? And God honored that position. You see, we want anointing and power, but not too many people have honorable motives. God's anointing and grace attends honorable motives. If your your motives are right, the grace and the power will flow. And the the, the Goliath that you see, that everybody else sees, I mean, do you remember Eliab? Just look at the next one. I think it's the next one. Just, just, Just quick next one as well. That fourth one. Walk away from being drawn into carnal battles. Some fights you must not entertain. Some battles are not ordained by God for you. There are some battles you must simply walk away from. Don't demean yourself by lowering your standards to engage people that are carnal, that try to extract the carnal in you. Refuse it. What did Eliab say to David? Eliab was David's eldest brother. Where was David in line? David was the eighth son of Jesse, not so? What does eight mean? Newbie, beginnings. David was the embodiment of a new era, the embodiment of a new time, a new epoch in the history of Israel. And Yahweh was about to start a brand new time frame. Eliab said to him, when he came with the lunch, Eliab said, you mischief maker, the eldest brother, what are you doing here on the battlefield? Have you come to seek mischief? And the first thing Eliab says, who is looking after daddy's sheep? You've left the sheep unattended, and you've come here. And David, I'm just paraphrasing his response. David's response is, no, uh, the sheep are taken care of. In other words, David proved, I'm not irresponsible. Even in fulfilling my father's desires, he sent me here to give you guys food. You know, let me just say this. Sometimes the people you feed are your greatest critics. Yes, David sent to feed the brothers, and the brother is taking off with him. Hmm? Don't bite the hand that feeds you, they say. Huh? And yes, David David is having to deal with the older brother syndrome. Amen? Sam said something again at the school. He said this, the younger brother, the younger brother's greatest threat, the prodigal, the young, the young son. In Luke 15, the prodigal son who went away, his greatest threat to coming back into the economy in the house of his father was not his father. It was his elder brother. And sometimes elder brothers don't know the destiny attached to your life. And sometimes they would not understand. And sometimes they will question your motives. What are you doing here? And you know what the Bible says? And David answered him not a word. <laughs> he just walked away. And David realized, oh, big brew, you're at it again. Right? You're chiding me. What are you doing here? David didn't even answer him. David just. Tell you never walk away from some battles. There are some emails that don't deserve a response. There are some telephone calls that you must not lower yourself to and respond to. There are some argumentative people that want to draw you into a word battle. Simply like Jesus was dumb, like a sheep before shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. Simply walk away. Amen? Don't be drawn into battles that are not part of God's design for you. I know it's hard because you have the flesh in you, the, 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 the carnal side in you wants to face, <laughs> wants to state your case, wants to justify, wants to seek um, to, to, to make yourself righteous and them look bad. Sometimes just walk away, just walk away. Huh? And do you know the same brothers that misunderstood him now have to bow to him as king? Some, some battles you will never try to convince the person as to what you represent. It's going to take the orchestration of God to raise you up. And then when you are raised up, they will, either, they, they will, they will even respect you more. For in the time when they try to draw you into battle, you, 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 you held your dignity and you walked away from it. Now that God has elevated you to ruler, king in his context, they will even show you greater dignity and respect. Because you didn't come to the throne fighting men. You came to the throne by the orchestration of God. You didn't come to the throne fighting brothers. You didn't ascend, tramping on people to get ahead. Pushing brothers out of the way. You walked away from battles and you allowed the Lord to raise you up. That's so. all. Remember Joseph and his dreams. Right? The seven stars, the, the sheaves. All the brothers bow to him. The brothers that hate you today will bow to you tomorrow. Just give it time. But maintain your peace, maintain your purity, maintain your integrity. Amen? Walk away, walk away, walk away. (laughs) Hallelujah. He was faithful, I said he was faithful with sheep, and God uh, elevated him to deal with um, national problems. Quickly. He was fearless. Everyone say fearless. fearless. The Bible says all of Israel was in fear because of Goliath. How long was Goliath's taunts? Forty days. days. Imagine, forty days, he would come out, day after day, saying, send me a man, send me a man, they will fight me, of you armies of Israel, send me a man. And no one, from the highest trained individuals, in the armies of Israel, dare to challenge this Goliath. Forty days. Forty in the the spirit is probation. Forty is a time of testing. 40 is a time of wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness. Right? That period must be over in your life. Hmm? David comes and he says, How dare this Philistine? And notice, what does Philistine mean? The word Philistine means wallowing, it means fleshly. The word Philistine implies carnality. Right? David looks at, he calls him a Philistine. Who is this? Fleshly because it's uncircumcised full of the flesh, uncircumcised uh, Philistine that dares challenges the army of of God. Send me and I will face him. David was a little boy at that stage, eh? but he was fearless, fearless. I want to encourage you, um, I'm in a new place of faith and fearlessness in God right now. Something I heard at the school really challenged my heart. Um, I'm not sure who said it, but whoever was preaching said this, before the fall, before Adam sinned, when man was perfect, fear was absent. Fear was not a known emotion to the realm of man. Fear is not native to men. Fear is not man's preserve or domain. Fear is a result of sin. But if you can learn to overcome sin, you will deal with fear. When God came to Adam, Adam would engage God. But after the sin, God came to Adam, and what did Adam do? He ran and he hid himself. What did God say to him? Adam, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? He said, He said, Because I feared. Because I was uncovered. Who told you you were uncovered? Right? The proneness to the flesh is the basis upon which fear operates. I test this out. The more you live an overcoming life over fleshly, carnal pursuits, the more you emerge as a fearless man. There's a subtle way in which carnality erodes faith and produces fear. For he who is fearful has no confidence towards God like Adam had no confidence. But if, 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 if you're full of assurance, Hebrews says, let us come, boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and help in times of our needs. I want to encourage you, in the season be bold. But your boldness and fearlessness is going to be based upon a life free from sin and carnality. You'll be amazed at the things that now suddenly you think you are able to do when you live a pure life. But the moment you step to impurity, your faith and your, 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 your quest to do great things is automatically compromised. But if you can, from the basis of purity, um, pursue the things that God has ordained for you, you will do so in absolute fearlessness. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Of love, power, and of a sound. The word sound there is well-balanced, a well-balanced, focused mind. So David was fearless. Next, quickly. He was repentful. Remember when he sinned after he was found out in terms of his adultery that he committed would be a cheaper? Right? He, he committed a grave sin, not just adultery, but also murder. Right? And when the prophet exposed his sin, what did he do? He repented. You know Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, O God. Right? When, when in error, this man quickly turns. When his deficiency is exposed, this man, David, doesn't justify himself. He simply turns. And I want to encourage you. We're living in a season. Please, brethren, hear my heart. We're living in a season of great exposure, of the hidden things of darkness. What is done in darkness will be brought to light. But you know, God always reveals a thing to redeem the thing. Light shines to reveal hidden things of of darkness, not to destroy the man, but to save the man. You must get your perspective right. Whatever God reveals, He heals. Tell your neighbor, He heals. God's purposes for exposure is always redemptive. It's never destructive. And you must always train your mind. Let me give you some valuable advice. You never ever rejoice over the deficiency of your brother. Because that will expose how immature you really are in the Lord. If I get wind of, of Sean's failing in some respect tomorrow, let's say, right, and I sit as his father in the lost, oh my how could you have done that? Right. I'll be disappointed initially. And I quickly bounce back in the spirit and say, but what God exposes, his intention is to redeem. So what do we do? If a man is overtaken, I'm quoting Galatians 5. If, Galatians 6, one. If a man is overtaken in a fault, what does it say? You who are spiritual. Restore such a one, in the spirit of meekness, lest you yourself also be tempted. Right? Who does the restoration? Not everybody. Only spiritual men. You who are spiritual do the restoration. Let me just say this to you: When um, I mean known known uh, celebrities fail, not celebrities. <laughs> well, they become celebrities now, in the kingdom. Yeah. You know? And uh, I I marvel and I I sit back with sheer disappointment when I see people and how they comment about the demise about a brother in the Lord. We are one family. Say one family. One family. And I take it personally when someone shows a deficiency. I never rejoice. I weep in my heart. I really do. I become extremely sad because the name of my God is being uh, 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 maligned. Okay, and um, I want to encourage you. This is a season for great grace, great mercy. Never gloat. Tell your neighbor, you need to be more merciful. You need to be more. You hear someone's ill, someone's going down, don't rejoice. Rather exercise mercy and grace. Amen. Let's just finish this up quickly. So he was repentful. Right. He's honoring of Saul. Remember, he honored Saul, <laughs> never ever attacked him. The person that hates him the most, he honored the most. Even after his death, he wrote the song of the bow, honored him for all of his great contributions to Israel. I want to say to you that your greatest enemy, you must honor. You know, the greatest test for maturity is this. Jesus said, love your enemies. (laughs) You can't even be neutral towards an enemy. It's not permissible. You would say, yes, love my brother, I can deal with that. Now, if you are writing the scriptures, here's the enemy now. What are you going to write? Well, I'll just be neutral, no response. He's my enemy. Finish. So says, No, no, no. The same enemy, show the same degree of love like you showed to your brother. And the scripture, according to Matthew 5, he says, For then you will be sons of your father in the heavens. Sonship is demonstrated most aptly when the son can easily love his greatest detractor. Who is your greatest enemy? Oh, by the way, you have some. This is a revelation for some of you. you got some enemies. <laughs> You've got some guys that don't like you. Right? Who is your greatest detractor? You all have one in your mind right now. Please all oh, come on, work with me. You all have someone in your mind right now? Maybe some you don't know about, but they exist there. Eh? The Bible, the word of the Lord to you is, show them great love. Honor even the souls in your life. The people that are deliberately uh, orchestrating your death. Honor them, show love. You want the key? Who still wants the key of David? Yeah, we're talking about the key of David. We're talking about aspects in his life that qualified him, for uh, that qualified the Lord on his behalf to open doors for him in ways that he would never ever dreamed of. Let me ask you this: Who anointed David as king? Which prophet? Samuel, where did that anointing take place? In his house, in Jesse's house, his father's house, in the lounge, remember? All David did after that, he was about 17 years old, not so thereabouts. Did David say, wow! And, and by the way, who was all there? All the brothers witness that this brew, Lighty Brew, you know Lighty Brew, the youngest, the Lighty Brew is going to be our king one day. So you, you can understand Eliab's frustration, the eldest, when David comes to the battle. Right? He thought, well, are you ambitious? <laughs> Pursuing this prophecy that you, are, <laughs> you just got? David said, no. You know, after that, the Bible says, David returned to the field yeah. to look after the sheep. Just went back to normal life. And God opened a door for the kingship in ways that amazed David. Amen? An ordinary day can become your greatest door. In the ordinary business of life as you go about your normal duties faithfully who knows one day that door is going to be the door opened to the fulfillment of your greatest prophecy it's going to happen one day right it came upon a day the bible says peter and john were on their way to the hour of prayer and they met a layman by the way you know the story and he prayed for them and he went that day was a significant day If that layman vacated his position that day, he would have lost out on a great, great miracle. I want to encourage you, don't be faithless. Don't be erratic in your dutifulness to be obedient and to fulfill the things God has called you to. Don't be a yo-yo. Be the same. You never know this day is going to be my greatest breakthrough. Amen? Just quickly, covenantal building, put them all up so we can just wrap this up quickly. Okay, covenantal building. Remember, when he was at Hebron, at the city Hebron, after Saul died, he asked God, where must I go? My greatest enemy is now removed. The path to kingship is open. David said to the Lord, what must I do? God said to him, go to a city called Hebron. Hebron means covenant, alliance, confederacy. David lived there for seven and a half years. The Bible says, before he went on to rule from Zion for 33 years. So, before you rule in Zion, you must live in Hebron. And what is Hebron? Covenant. You want to say covenant? And how long did he live there for? Seven. Seven and a half years. Seven is perfection. Seven and a half means he went beyond perfection in the area of covenantal relationships. You see, your greatest test is going to be your relationships. Who wants to rule? You're not going to rule anything from Zion until you abide in Hebron for seven and a half years. I I want to encourage you all go the extra mile in building covenantal relationships. Go the extra mile, right? And you'll see how God will give you the keys of David, right? And then lastly, he was a sacrificial, he served basically self sacrificial. Just book a the next slide quickly, we are end off with this. And this I shared with you before, so I don't want to go through it again. The Bible says in Acts, this is the last word uh, from Luke, at least, in the New Testament, concerning David. You know Luke wrote Acts, so he says this. Luke the doctor said, for David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, did what? He, he died, he fell asleep. The New King James says, David, after he served his own Generation by the will of God. So what is he serving? The New American Standard says he served what? He served the purpose of God. The New King James says what did he serve? He served his own generation. So what is he serving? One version of the Bible says he served the purpose of God for his generation. The other says he served his generation by the purpose of God. My my, my take on it is simple. In seeking to serve your generation, you will serve the will of the Lord. In seeking, listen carefully, to being a blessing to people, God's purpose will attend you. You see, the purposes of the Lord will be wasted to him that is he's not willing to give himself to his generation. Live, here is the new demand for this house. Please hear me acutely now. The new demand for us is that I'm going to live now and please receive this in your spirit. Tell yourself, I'm going to live outside of myself. I'm not just going to live for me, myself, and I, or my family. I will live for the benefit and the betterment of everybody else in my world. And let me just say this, if that is true for you, you see, you have to be self-sacrificing. You live outside of yourself. And you say, I'm going to impact a whole generation of, of people. And when that is your mindset, the Lord says, um, I will then... Take my world, take my purpose, and let my purpose govern that. Yeah. No one who is self, has got a great deal of self-interest, who is self-absorbed, self-centered, does anything significant for God. If the sum total of your world is me, myself, and I, and those closest to me, and nobody else, then God cannot give you significant purpose to steward. But if you decide today, I'm going to be a generational I'm going to impact you know is, a generation is a generation. Eh? Strictly speaking it's 40 years but it's David impacted people way beyond his time. Not so? Remember Josiah I think it was? King Josiah, one of the kings? Uh, I, I mean it says he walked in the ways of his father David but hundreds of years separate King David from King Josiah. But yes, Josiah in his time walking with Davidic keys. David, by his life, he has the principle, David, by his life, sets a template or standard for people even hundreds of years after him to be born will copy and live by. Live not just outside of yourself, you can even live outside of your time. Able though dead, yet speaks. Are you receiving this in your spirit? Your sphere of impact is about to grow. I've decided I will affect generations to come. Even after my death, they will speak of me. Not of me, of the Lord's work, obviously. But you've got to tell yourself, I will, I will, I will, by my life, I will start to, by my obedience, by my attitude, by my behavior, I am building standards or templates, molds, if you would, that other people are going to use and they will generate the same results and more. Jesus says, the works I do, you will also do. And greater works than these, shall you also do. Right? If you fulfill the purposes of the Lord for your time, for your generation, things will go, will go well with you. Amen. So, was say, keys of David. If you have these, and there are many other, davidic uh, characteristics but if you have these that we've listed i want to encourage you and inspire you god is about to open up significant doors for you the keys of david is our portion amen what does what david mean by the way beloved right he who is loved beloved the beloved one and i want to encourage you to develop your intimacy with him who was also called the beloved of all the disciples john right also, had the same sort of temperament disp- disposition that David had, and John's head was always in Jesus' bosom. Right? The disciple that Jesus loved, he loved all of them, but the, the New Testament notes John, comma, the disciple that Jesus loved. You must seek to become a greater, um, intense, more intense object of the focus of God's love, develop that by your intimacy with Him. He loves all people. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Not so. He loves everyone, but there are certain aspects in man that God says, oh, you're a cheerful giver. Like his love becomes more accentuated to those kinds of individuals. And I want to encourage you. Become like David, the beloved. Become the the lover of God and the object of God's love. And doors that are closed to you right now are about to open. I really believe that. Amen many of you I know some of you are trusting God for significant things but i'm telling you we are in a season of an open door those of you trusting for jobs it, the doors are about to open right take the grace inherent within this word those of you trusting God for promotions the doors are about to open those of you trusting God for a spouse the doors are about to open <laughs> those of you that are trusting God for formation of your ministry the doors are about to open those of you who are trusting God for uh, fulfillment of prophetic words, the doors are about to open. I don't believe God causes us to, st- to focus upon this word the past few weeks and we don't see signs and wonders following the word. No, we've got to see demonstration of this word. Amen? So, do you know what? Let's go to Isaiah quickly. Isaiah 22. Go down quickly. A few slides down. After this. After that. After that. After that. After that. After that? After that? After that? <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> the only time, and the only time in the whole Bible where you will ever read the phrase again, the key of David, is found in Isaiah 22. It's found in Revelation 3 and Isaiah 22. In Isaiah 22, it's attached to Eliakim. Remember Eliakim, the leader? Um, Shebna is being demoted, another leader. And Eliakim is about to take his place. And so God says this about Eliakim, who is God's man, God's leader, replacing an inaccurate, erroneous leader, Shebna. God says this about Eliakim. God says, I will clothe him. So he says to Shebna, yeah, concerning Eliakim. I will clothe him with your tunic. I will tie your sash securely about him. I will entrust him with your authority. And he will become a father to all the inhabitants of jerusalem and to the house of judah then i will set the key of the house of david upon where come on everyone do this i hope you have strong shoulders huh? <laughs> where is the key of david set it is set upon the shoulders of people and the shoulder means what the government shall be upon his shoulder a shoulder always speaks of government or the capacity to bear burden and responsibility and the lord is saying for many of us if you simply position yourself to shoulder more responsibility i will set the key on their shoulder yes. for some of us we are not let me just say the is some of us are not pursuing kingdom but we want things added to us it's only when you pursue the kingdom god says there's nothing i will withhold from you seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So, what do I do? If I listen to my, my, my spiritual father, Thamoneido, and I hear things on his heart, all I do is, as a son, I say, "Well, I will, will, will bear it. I will. have yeah, my shoulders. Let me carry the weight of that of that responsibility." Then the Lord says, "If that's your position, I sit upon you the key." Huh? So, are your shoulders ready to contain more responsibility? Hmm. Keys. My my neighbor's dog is called Keys. Is it still alive? The dog. Keys, yeah. <laughs> Big like a burbo. Keys. When I hear uh, my neighbor shout Keys, and I know something's happening <laughs> next door. Keys is o- Keys is opening his own doors. He's <laughs> this lovely the dog you love to hate, you hate to love. You've got this face. That is beautifully ugly and ugly beautiful. (laughs) Like a mixture of uh, that kind of of dog. eh? And um, I want to encourage you. um, When you, as you go today, think of this dominant thought in your mind. God has given me keys. Name something if you have to remember it. Rename your dog if you have to rename him when you get home. From today on, thou name shall not be called Bruno, thou shalt be called Keys. <laughs> <laughs> Call something Keys. Uh, get a logo of Keys. make it your BB status or your WhatsApp status. Do something. Just have this image in your mind. See, I'd like you to do prophetic things to remind me of where God is. T- oh, yesterday I should have sent you this wonderful picture. Uh, we were on the cruise um, around Durban Harbor on the boat. Right? The church gave us this anniversary gift and we were able to go yesterday. So on the return, coming back into the harbor, guess alongside which vessel does our boat literally brush up against? A massive cargo ship. Container ship. But I have never seen something so high in all my life. I marveled at the capacity of ships to contain and hold such a weight. And the Lord reminded me of a prophecy that Sean gave me, that you will be like a cargo ship carrying spiritual resources to the nations of the world god said to me you're not a luxury liner if you're here for a good ride i'm fortunately not <laughs> we're not going on a holiday we have to do work in the nations god says we can be carrying resource to the and i saw this wonderful picture so i always like to have visuals that remind me of what god has given us so i will encourage you I have something to do with the key somewhere. Just hold it in your mind because God's going to open doors. Just lift up your hands for the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this word. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would open doors for us. Father, we, we bow before you and we say, Dear Father, close the doors that you not, do not want us to walk through. Sovereignly, and we will accept your decision. We will submit to your sovereignty in this. But open those doors that you have ordained for us. Without uh, um, pushing things, we will knock when we have to, but we lift up our hands in your name. And we ask that you would open doors sovereignly for your sons and your daughters. That we will walk through boldly and do your purposes. You set the key of David upon shoulders. And today, Father, we say, Yeah, we are. We are, we are. Subscribing for greater responsibility. We want to fulfill your purposes. We want to take the responsibility of your kingdom mandate upon our own shoulders. And so I pray open every door, give every resource we need to do your will. I pray you bless your people, and I pray significant doors will be open for every single one of us. I pray this week we will hear of testimonies of your greatness, of your sovereign power manifest. For some of us, we need the Red Sea just to open that we can walk through on dry ground, safely onto the other side. I ask, do that for some in the name of Jesus. So Father, we just thank you in sheer anticipation for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.